Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. This week, we have Josh Escher. Did I say that correctly? That is correct. All right. So we have Josh Escher. He's a bass player, and he is uh, the bass player for an 80s party rock cover band called Rising Phoenix. Um, He's from Appleton, but the band is based in central Wisconsin. He's going to talk about how he got into music and things of that nature. So, Josh, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thank you, Zach. So give the listeners an idea of how you got into music and how it's kind of grown in your life and how it's gotten you to where you are today. Yeah, so... I kind of got started, I think, a little bit late. You know, a lot of guys that do what I do, what we do, I, I, you're a musician as well. I think a lot of folks are like, you know, oh, when I was 10 or whatever, somebody bought me my acoustic guitar and I got started or whatever. And I was kind of I was kind of that kid. I, I grew up in a small town and, and there wasn't a lot of people doing music around me, really. And, and so it was kind of one of those things where I was sort of a late bloomer. I think I was maybe 17 when I, when I really kind of sat down and went, you know what, I think I want to play guitar, you know, saved up some bucks, went and went and bought myself a little student model electric guitar and, and just kind of got started, you know, and that's, we're talking 1997, 98. So it's like no YouTube, no, you know, the, the, I what, what were the the tab centrals and all those there, whatever the heck those sites were that right. you'd, you'd get porn charts and tabs off of, but, you know, just kind of flying blind back in those days, but really, you know, just kind of, I wanted to be in a band. Like it was, that, that was kind of always the thing. Like it, it like, okay, uh, I picked guitar. I didn't have room for drums. I, I'm not coordinating enough for drums really. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I just wanted to be in a band. So it was like, you know, I was I was a kid who was, you know, listening to a lot of Metallica. I think that's a you know every you know, a lot of guys my age were you know listening to Master of Puppets and just going, holy cow, you know, I, I I that would be cool to do, and you know, um, just starting to go see concerts and like looking at folks on stage and just being like, man, I I just really love to do that. That would that would be awesome. And then, so taking that, you said you started with guitar, but when I did the intro, it said you, you're playing bass. So how did you switch from guitar to bass? Yeah. So, you know, tried to get a band started in high school. Wasn't happening. I just started playing guitar anyways. And like I said, small town, there wasn't anybody around. Got into college, got a band put together, group of guys that just lived on the dorm floor with me, you know, had a, had a really good time. Ironically, the bass player in that band was a guitar player that switched over. He was a much better guitar player than me, by the way. Okay. <laughs> but so I played in that band for about two years and just, you know, kind of had, we weren't great. The band was called Severus. It was, I had fun. I love those guys, cool dudes. I just ran into one of those guys not all that long ago. We're talking, you know, over 20 years ago now. But, you know, everybody kind of finished up school and, and I was still going to shows and, and still had a lot of those contacts that I had through booking stuff and whatnot. And just happened to have a group of guys that I, I, I was pretty good friends with reach out to me and say, Hey, we're, we're thinking of replacing our bass player. Do you think you could play bass? I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. Like I 
was going to see him all the time. I knew the songs pretty much. I mean, I, you know, as well as I needed to. Okay. I, uh, and, and so I went and traded a bunch of stuff in and got a, got a bass guitar and got a rig and joined this band called Hail Gray Sky that I ended up playing in for gosh, probably nine or 10 years. And it, it was really just kind of, uh, like I was playing guitar riffs on bass. It was, you know, I really, I look back on that time and I'm like, ah, I, I was playing bass, but I wasn't really a, a, a bass player, quote unquote, at that point in time. But I picked up the bass and, and it just kind of, it sort of stuck for me. What made you realize that those lines that you were playing on bass really weren't bass lines? They were more guitar. I mean, I know you were coming from a guitar player perspective, but yeah. that had to be some kind of influence into what you now do on the bass. So it's funny. Because like we're talking about like probably about 2005, you know, a long okay. time ago, connects up to what I'm doing right now. Around that time, there was a guy, his name's Eric Gunderson, real talented drummer. I think he was playing in a punk band out of Oshkosh called Rip Winkler at the time. Had reached out to me and he was like, hey, I want to start a Motley Crue tribute band. And I was like, I never thought about playing in a cover band, much less a tribute band. To be honest, at that point in time, I was kind of that like, you know, all oh, screw cover bands, like, <laughs> you know, all against that whole, I was that guy, you know? Okay. You know, all for a piss and vinegar at, at 22, 23 years old, you know? And, and, but it was like, he was like, yeah, well, we're going to dress up and, you know, just be ridiculous. It, it'll probably be a good time. We can make a little bit of money. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? I got time. And so joining that band, I had to sit down and learn like three hours of, of one specific bass player's music and it's funny because you know right now there's a lot of stuff with nikki six and like whether or not he's actually playing on stage and whether or not he actually recorded some of those parts but they were they were bass parts they were bass lines where for a long time all i was doing was basically just playing the parts lower really okay um, okay in pale gray sky which I was having a blast doing, and and don't get me wrong, I, uh, those are some of the best years of my life playing in that band. But like I jo- I started doing this Motley Crue tribute. I was called Sleep Patrol, and it was just like, oh, this is this is what a bass player does. Like you 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 you're the rhythm section. You rock in with the drummer. You you yes. hold down the low end. You you know you fill in that space. That's your job. Right. And it was that point where I really sat and I just went like, oh, this is cool. Like I was always, you know, I, I said before, you know, I was, I was a Metallica kid. Mm-hmm. I was James Hetfield guy. Right. I wasn't the Kirk Hammett guy. I was gotcha. the James Hetfield guy. I always wanted to be the rhythm guy and, you know, becoming just a bass player is, is, is that I, I, I was the rhythm guy and I, and I get to, I get to fill in that space. And it just always, it felt right for me. And I, gotcha. I haven't looked back since. Nice, nice. So now that you're more, you're definitely more tuned into being a bass player, not a guitar player playing bass, you're actually a bass player. Do you find that locking in with like the kick drum and what the drummer is doing is highly important? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it's obviously all the time, you know, there are, there are certain certain songs I feel like where it maybe becomes less important, but 
you know, it, it's one of those things like nothing feels better than when, when you're just tight with that drummer. It's, I've always been really lucky in every band I've ever played in that I've just had these drummers that are just super, super tight and in the pocket makes my job super easy. But I, yeah, they're, they're really, I don't, I don't think there's a better feeling as a bass player, like, than, than getting in that pocket and just like, just sitting in there and just feeling that. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, it's that pocket. And if it's got that pocket, everything on top of that just flows so much better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, so you've been playing out live a lot. I mean, over the, over these years. So what have you kind of noticed from, the local scene that is some positives that you've, you've encountered. You know, it's funny because it things I, I say all the time that I feel like things changed a lot in the, in all the years that I've been doing it. And, but then I say that and sometimes I'm like, like, have they though? Or are you just getting old and you just feel like <laughs> not, you know, like not locked into things. Like I, I was, I was so immersed in that, in that, like in that original, band world for a really long time and and now i'm in the cover band scene and it's like like do i not know what's going on in the in that world over there anymore or is there not anything i don't know what i feel like i see is i just feel like there's so many good musicians i i think that's that's probably the thing i noticed the most and it's like especially the young musicians like it, it's it's crazy like there 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 are some bands running around around here that are half my age i'm i'm 41 so when i say half my age you know we're talking about kids that are right just barely able to go into bars without their parents yeah and like i wish i was as good as some of these kids are you know i i think that's probably the biggest thing that i've seen and i i'm i imagine that that's like i said way at the beginning having those access to those tools like having youtube and like all these online courses and things like that and then i think i i really personally feel like i see a lot of the bands around the area going a little more out of their way to to kind of give those kids a little bit of a leg up these days than you know when when i was starting out man it just it felt like everything was competition Right. It felt like you were fighting for your life to get gigs and, and, you know, there was a small handful of people that were going to help you out. Everybody else was just going to, you know, push you down on their way by because they were afraid you were going to take their spot. And, all. Right. and I, I just don't feel like it's that way anymore. At least not nearly to the, to the extent that I felt like it was in 2002. Yeah. Know? Right. Right. It's, it's people aren't afraid to, like you said, give a leg up to upcoming musicians. They actually want to encourage them instead of diminishing yeah. their their you know their dreams or whatever they you want to call it of being you know playing in the live music scene in the in yeah, area. Absolutely. Yeah. Now thinking on the other side of the coin, what are some of the struggles you've kind of seen over the last so many years that you think need to help bring the live scene a better reputation? I. I think the the thing that I notice, and and like I was saying, I, maybe maybe I'm just out of out of the loop, but like when I was when I was doing the original thing, there were it felt like a lot more places for us to play. 
I mean, I feel like that's something that a lot of original, like full band, there's lots of places for, you know, solo acoustic folks or little duos. There's a lot of places that want those folks to play. Yeah. But full bands, all ages venues, those types of things. I think I'm, I'm from the Fox Valley. So I, when I speak, I'm speaking of, you know, Appleton, Green Bay, Oshkosh, that sort of area. Right. Um, I'm not super tuned into what's going on in Milwaukee or Madison, but there always felt like there were places for us to exist as bands that wanted us in their places and really, really wanted to support what we were doing. You know, and I, I'm coming from a place where that Pale Grace guy, the band that I was in for all those years, I mean, we were we were a heavy band. I mean, we were doing at the gates, like melodic, melodic death metal, metal. Nowadays, okay. you'd call it metal core. We were doing that sort of thing. And, you know, your, your, your average bar is not usually going to want us to come in and assault their patrons with what we were bringing, you know, but, but there were a lot of places around that were open-minded to having shows with bands like us and uh, like there was there was a pretty solid group of bands around us that we played with often and i just don't know if that exists as much i know the the few people that i kind of still keep up with these days it seems like they play someplace and then they never played that place again okay and so i don't know like i said i maybe i'm completely tuned out and i have i'm just old guy now and i don't know <laughs> but you know, it, it always felt like there were there there was small ages places for us to play. There were some bars that like to have shows like that every weekend. You know, I, those things are really important to a original music scene. I feel like, um, yeah, and it, it makes it makes it tough. Like, yeah, I, I, if I was if I were to start an original band tomorrow, I didn't know where I would book a show. Yeah, it's it seems like Wisconsin, for better or for worse, seems to cater more to. And there's nothing wrong with them, but catering more to the cover or tribute type bands. Yeah. Cause that's, that's going to draw in a crowd for most, you know, places that are going to be serving alcohol or whatnot. You know, that's an easier sell than we have this original band. And I know you guys maybe never heard of them, but come to our establishment anyways. And that's a harder sell, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because in 2005, we complained about the cover bands all the time taking all the places, but we had lots of places to play. So, right. You know, maybe, maybe we didn't know how good we had it. Maybe you never know. It's, it's sometimes hard to look back and, you know, is it hindsight or is it just a different type of world now? You know, who knows? Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about Rising Phoenix, kind of give the listeners a lowdown on that group, you know, what kind of music you guys are playing, who are you covering, where they can see you a lot, you know, things of that nature. Yeah, for sure. So it's funny because I, you know, I brought up the, I brought up the Motley Crue tribute earlier and I said that kind of ties into what I'm doing now. Yeah. So I'll be, you know, probably by the time you put this out, I'll have, I'll have three years in Rising Phoenix now. I joined the band of all times in 2020, which is what a great time to join a band. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, October, October of that year, just this thing, you know, we were starting to play things again, but the band's been around for over 10 years now. Like uh, you said in the intro, a lot of the band is from central Wisconsin, Marshfield, Wisconsin Rapids. Wisconsin Rapids is kind of like our unofficial home. Okay. Uh, that's sort of where they got their start. But, uh, one of the 
numerous different singers in Sleaze Patrol. His name is Matt, and he is the singer in Rising Phoenix, has been pretty much almost since their beginning. So he and I had stayed in touch throughout the years. I had There was a few years there where I wasn't playing in bands. I was, I was coaching roller derby, of all things. Okay. So I'd kind of gotten away from playing music, and I, I was wanting to get back to doing it. I was playing in, a, in another band called Moonlight Bandits. It's just the Bandits now. And Matt had reached out to me and just said, hey, we're, we're looking to replace our bass player. I'd really like to get you in here. You know, start learning the set. Before I even knew I was going to have an audition, start learning the set. So jumped into that. So Rising Phoenix, like you said earlier, kind of coined this where 80s party rock. You can kind of wrap your head around what that is. We play a lot of Poison, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, Skid Row, White Snake, Van Halen. I don't know. The list of bands that I type out in posts on social media is long but you get the idea yeah we're kind of we're, we're doing that that sort of 80s quote unquote a lot of it's the hair metal stuff that pyro pop rock type things a little bit of 70s we do some kiss from the 70s a little bit of 90s we we do some like alice in chains and stuff like that but the vast majority of it is that 80s rock stuff gotcha and we as far as like where we're playing like I said, we're, we're mostly based out of central Wisconsin. So we do a lot of stuff kind of up that sort of Wisconsin Rapids, Stevens Point, Wausau, like pipeline up that way. Gotcha. That, that's sort of our bread and butter. We've been really working, working on trying to get ourselves into the Fox Valley a little bit more here and there. You know, we've got, we've had a few more Appleton, Oshkosh shows, some Green Bay stuff that we have coming up as well. Every once in a while, we'll get down work for us, Madison. But, you know, just kind of working on playing a lot of those things, really working on trying to expand out to plan fairs and plan, you know, big events. In the- gotcha. And now for listeners out there that are in bands like yours, what are some advice you would give them for not only just finding gigs, but keeping bands together, you know, and just meshing well together? Yeah. Um, you know, as far as spinning gigs, yeah, it's all about, you know, put your best foot forward. You know, I, my, I have been, I have been sort of in charge of our social media for a while now. And the, the, the thing that I always say is like, I try to make our band look like people, (laughs) nobody cares if you can absolutely nail that guitar solo or that drum fill. The, well, I shouldn't say nobody. Musicians here. Yeah. But, you know, the average person, they want to come out and see a band and have a good time. So, you know, focusing on being fun, you know, putting it out there that that what you do is going to is going to sell beer. <laughs> it's going to keep people in the, in the establishments. Those are the things that matter when it comes to booking. So, you know, really, really kind of focusing on those things, you know. And as far as, as far as keeping a band together, you know, it just, it just comes down to like, you know, find people that, that you can put up with outside of playing, I think is always the most important thing. Um, you know, it, 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 if you can't, if you can't hang out with people, you probably aren't going to want to play with them for the longest time. Yeah. You know, but I would say 
Like I, I did a whole when I when I got out of the coaching derby thing, I spent a bunch of time like looking for a band to play in, and like I really tried to focus on like like they were trying me out because they needed a bass player. Yeah. But, like I always said, I'm auditioning them too. True. Like like I want I want to get the vibe of the people. I wanna I wanna make sure that like like playing wise the things fit. You know, there were definitely a couple of situations where I was like, you know, it's, it, it's just not right. And and you walk away from it. And and I think that sometimes folks are just like, you find, like, we need a guitar player. And then a guitar player shows up and you're like, all right, we got a guitar player. And sometimes you got to be patient. Yep. You got to be willing to say, hey, you know what? That wasn't the right one. Let's keep looking. It might mean that it's going to take you an extra month or two before you start gigging. But in the long run, it's better to find those right people first than you know make those changes down the line. Right. Uh, once the once the once the truck is going down the highway, you know. Right. Exactly. Because yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes maybe a couple times playing with somebody to warm up to them, and sometimes it just happens right away. But it's hard to do that sometimes because, say, you get somebody in the band, and you're thinking, well, maybe in a little bit of time, this person will start gelling with us, but Sometimes it just never does, and then it gets harder and harder to say, sorry, this is not going to work out, and, you know, it gets complicated. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's a, I was having a conversation just like this with a, a buddy in a different band who is looking for someone right now, and, and he's like, you would, you would be amazed at how many people, like, show up, and you tell them, you know, we're going to do covers and we do this and this is where we're going to play and whatever. And he's like, and then three months down the line, they're like, Hey, how about we write a song? And it's like that whole time they were just hoping that like, if they got themselves in that band, that the band would just sort of bend to what they wanted, you know, down the line. And it's, you you just, you, you got to go into it knowing that what they say is, is, it's what they mean. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you have alter- alternative alternative options or alternative motives, then you need to say that out front, otherwise, it, down, like you said, down the line, it's just not a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, for, you know, sometimes I ask people, like, do they do recordings? And, and you guys do covers. So do you, like, record yourself, like, practicing and listening back? Or do you do anything with recording at all with the group so not really i it, prior to me being in the band they definitely did the stuff more to get promo material together things like that we we definitely you know we get a lot of video but most of that is more for content you know getting those instagram reels and you know videos put up on on facebook and right. you know, wherever else mm-hmm. those types of things I, to be honest with you, I couldn't even tell you the last time I set foot in a recording studio. It's funny. I, I was just yesterday listening to your episode with Justin Perkins and thinking about like, holy man, that guy recorded my first band. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that was a, that was like a woo. small back. But yeah. that, that, once again, we're talking 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where so our, our, our current promo video as far as recording stuff that's probably like the most recorded thing that we have yeah Uh, and that was something we did off of you know the 
the videographer took sound direct off the board so that he would have some good quality audio to to mix up for our video. Gotcha. Um, which going back to what you asked, what you asked about as far as booking and stuff, like I can't recommend more having a really good quality video that, that uh, what we have now is, is amazing. I, I think it, 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 it makes us look so cool. <laughs> <laughs> It probably makes us look cooler than we are, but yeah. Anybody? Um, <laughs> well, you know, just told everybody right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, well, <laughs> it is what it is. Right, right, right. <laughs> but you know, I I have not done the recording thing in a long time. It was definitely one of those things that I'm sure a lot of musicians say. You know, yeah. you have that love hate relationship with that process. Cause yeah, it's so cool to get the finished product. The man, what a pain. It's, it's a, it's a, if you want it done right, it's, it's a, it is definitely a process and it's not a short road for sure. No, no. Tuning, just yeah. tuning. Right. Yes. Tune after every take. Otherwise, I mean, you, depending on, you know, what's, you know, strength strings you're using and things like that nature. But yeah, it's, you got to make sure you're, you got to micromanage everything from beginning to end sometimes just because. You play a song, and then three songs later, you're you're out of tune. You didn't even know it, and you just yeah. you gotta go back and redo stuff. Or right? it's just exactly. It's not like a live gig where that's not recorded, and you just go listen to them, and then it's there and it's gone. You got to record it. You can go back and listen to it as many times as you want to, and you start hearing things that you didn't hear before. So going on from there, we talked about the local scene, and we're getting close to the end here. Work-life balance, do you have, is it challenging for you to do the band and have the other part of your life, or is it a pretty good balance for you? You know, I I would say that sometimes it's hard. We, as a band, we definitely keep some weekends open every month. A couple of the guys have young kids, so, you know, we, we try to make sure that there is some space for family time we're not playing every single weekend i know i know at one point in time before i joined rising phoenix i believe there was a year 2017 2018 something like that where they played every single weekend the entire year you know sometimes friday and saturday but definitely every single weekend for the entire year we don't do that now yeah <laughs> and and that's okay you know my life is is about as supportive as anybody could ever be you know she comes to a lot of gigs she actually takes a lot of video for me and so we definitely get that we get that time but it's it's obviously it's still really important that we get get our time outside of that and we as a band because we're so spread out we don't we don't really practice all that often okay i i think in the three years that i've been in the band i think we've gotten together as a group in a room and practiced maybe six or seven times. Interesting. And probably three of those were when I was joining and we were just kind of running through, you know, beginnings and endings so that I knew how they, how they did that stuff. Gotcha. Um, otherwise it's kind of when things get slow in the fall or the winter and we decide like, Oh, Hey, let's, let's add a couple of songs we'll find a little time to get together and just sort of run through things. But otherwise, you know, we're playing enough that you know, yeah. after all, after all the years that the guys have been together, we can pretty well 
play pretty well together without having to get together. Our practice space is like two hours from me. So that would make it challenging. So not having that practice component definitely makes it a little easier to balance things out. Gotcha. Cool. The last thing I ask is gigs that made an impression on you. So as a performer, is there a gig that made a great impression on you? And also as an audience member, is there a gig or performance that you saw that made a big impression on you? Oh, man. <laughs> so I got, let me let me start first with the with the as an audience member uh, because okay it, you know it, it, it's funny because it just came up in my in like my Facebook memories okay a, a number of years back my wife bought us tickets to go see Garth Brooks okay now it's funny because like with all the music that I've been talking about you can uh, you can obviously assume the kinds of stuff that I generally listen to mm-hmm. and I could sit here and be like oh I saw Metallica in 2000 and that was amazing or like I saw Pantera this time or that time and all those things were great but like we went and saw Garth Brooks a number of years ago and that was I grew up with Garth Brooks getting played in the house I could sing everywhere to every single song okay I'm not a big country guy I love Garth Brooks that was the most amazing concert that I think I've ever been at I mean, the people in the crowd were holding up signs for really random, like East Side songs that he <laughs> hasn't performed in 20 years, and he would just play like a verse and a chorus off the top of his head, nice, all by himself, nice. You know, it just like, and then and then throw in like the drummer had like a like a drum kit in like a gyroscope thing and did a drum solo with okay, a, which you wouldn't expect at a country show, no, it's right, but still amazing. Yeah, it's. It doesn't matter the genre. It's, it's how well that artist can perform what they perform. And it was, I mean, so good. Just yeah. So good. Like it just, just nailing everything. And just, I mean, probably all the best musicians that money could buy on that stage too, you know? Yep. So that, that, that is definitely probably that as far as shows I played now, uh, Rising Phoenix has definitely played some really cool things since I've joined the band. The band has been on such an upward trajectory. You know, I don't, I don't want to take away from that because like we're, we're doing some really cool things. We, there's a balloon rally in Wausau. We get to play every year that has thousands of people and like we play while the balloons are lighting up the balloons with the fire and all gotcha. those things. Lots of super cool stuff. And we, and next summer is even going to be bigger, but. In the first handful of years when I was in Pale Gray Sky, there was a period of time where we were actually getting, there's a, I don't know if you're familiar with the Fox Valley much, but there's a, there's a rock radio station called the Razor okay. up here. And they had sort of taken on the mantle of like supporting local rock bands, metal bands, the sorts of things. And at one point in time, they had a handful of us open for some like national acts. And in a lot of cases, when they would do those types of things, usually like, you know, the local bands would play and like nobody would be there. And then people would sort of show up Yeah, closer to the end of the night when the national bands were going to play. And we played this one show. It was uh, Riverside Ballroom in Green Bay. I think that's a 2,500 cap okay. venue, I think. We were going on first of six bands. We were worried we weren't going to get to play for anybody because they were going to open the doors and it was going to start. We looked out the door, out the door by the stage right before we start or right before they were going to open the doors. And the line was like around the parking lot, 
and down the block. Wow. <laughs> and they let all of those people get in the building before they made us start. I have never gotten to play over the top. I don't know how else to put it, but over the top of like a full on circle pit okay. in my life. It's probably the only time I ever got to do that. That I think we played a 25 minute set or a 30 minute set. It might have well, might as well have been 30 seconds. It was just like a blur. <laughs> I don't remember anything else other than that. It was just a mass of humanity in front of us. Yeah. And I, I don't know. <clears throat> I definitely get to play some awesome shows in front of killer crowds all the time now. But man, that I, how do you, you just like, I, I probably didn't even play everything right that day. It was just, you know, you, you get, I'm, I'm kind of that, I'm, I'm that bass player. The, the joke about bass players is it's either the guy that is doing cartwheels on stage or the guy that's standing at the back. I'm the yeah. guy that does cartwheels on stage. Okay. <laughs> and, and I probably spent more time running around on that stage than actually playing. It, it was, it was, it, I, I'll be chasing that feeling. You know, I still play live. And I try to be that person on stage to this day because that feeling was just insane. Yep. And there are so many musicians out there that have similar stories and know exactly what you're talking about. I myself, I've been in those kind of situations too, where it's just like, this is the greatest feeling ever. That's for sure. Is there anything else you'd like to say before I let you go for today? Oh, geez. I don't know. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Okay. Everybody come out and see a rising Phoenix show. If you see us coming around. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I don't, I, like I said, I, I do listen to the podcast periodically and it's just, it's super cool that you're, you're doing this to kind of put, put a highlight on, on some people that I've definitely listened to a few episodes. Good. I was just like, I don't even know who this person is or, or really know anything about what they do, but like, it's just kind of cool to like, Hey, here's some random hip hop guy from, right. I don't know, Dodgeville or something like right, that. Right, right, right. Like, it's, it's really, it's really neat to kind of get to hear what's going on. Excellent. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. It's been a pleasure talking and hearing your story. And thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Zach. Well, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Once again, I'm Zach Fell, your host and creator of the Wisconsin Music Podcast, where I love to amplify the great sounds coming out of the Wisconsin state. We have great talent here, great support, great listeners. Thanks to Fox City's Indie Radio for syndicating this on Wednesdays and Sundays, along with their other great programming. So make sure you check out the Fox City's Indie Radio. And thanks to this week's guest, Josh Escher of the band Rising Phoenix. If you'd like to be on the show, just go up to wisconsinmusicpodcast.com, fill out the guest request form up at the top, ask for your email and your name, and then I'll send you an auto email asking you for more information. If you are enjoying these episodes, please consider donating to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Donations help pay for the website and putting the podcast up on streaming services and also getting our name out there to all Wisconsinites and others that are interested in our great music here in Wisconsin. Donations are secured through PayPal and Stripe. 
All you have to do is go to the website and click on Donate to WMP. And also make sure you like and subscribe us on all social media and on YouTube. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.